0: Hello everyone and welcome back to another episode of Murphy's League. Today's episode, we're going to be previewing week 7 of the NFL. Taking a little bit of a different format here, I'm not going to be talking about too many specific matchups, instead I'm going to be talking about some overall storylines in the NFL that I haven't talked yet, and then I'm going to talk about three teams in particular that can make a really big statement this weekend with a w so i'll preview those matchups a little bit but i'm not going to talk about too many games specifically instead i'm going to get into those three games like i mentioned then we're going to get into my top five rookies on the year because a lot of rookies have absolutely been killing it and i think it's time i give them the attention they deserve and then finally i'm going to get into some trade candidates the trade deadline is quickly approaching here it's less than two weeks away so you know guys might be getting traded within this next week. Uh, The trade deadline in previous years hasn't really been that big of a deal in the NFL, but as of recently, as of the last few, it really has ramped up and we've seen a lot more guys get traded in the days leading up to the deadline and on the deadline itself. So I'm gonna talk about a few big names that could be on the move there's going to be timestamps located down below as usual. So if you want to skip to your favorite segment, feel free to go ahead and do that. Of course, like I mentioned, we're going to do statement games right now. So hang around for that. If you just want to listen to that and then top five rookies and then trade candidates, but without further ado, let's get into it all guys. So first things first, got to start with some statement games. I think the first of which has to be chargers versus the chiefs, the chargers always tend to play the chiefs pretty close. And you know me, I'm always pulling for the chargers over here. Shout out Austin Eckler, shout out the whole Eckler family, awesome people. Uh, But just as a game as a storyline, if they can win this game, it would be absolutely huge. That's not rocket science to say at all. They're currently Um, sitting at three and a half point underdogs if I'm not mistaken the last I checked those were the odds I could check again right now but I don't think they've shifted but there is something happening in Kansas City that I don't think a lot of people are talking about and it has nothing to do with their offense and it has everything to do with excuse me, with their defense. Their defense has been playing absolutely phenomenal. Wow, the Chargers are actually six point underdogs. I I undershot him a little bit. So over under a 48 and a half points, uh, you know know me and the Chargers, overs are always something I'm looking at whenever they're playing, especially against a team like the Chiefs. The Chiefs haven't quite looked like themselves on offense yet. I mean, the creativity is absolutely still there, but just in terms of the numbers, they're not putting up the sort of numbers you normally expect Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs to put up. Nevertheless, it hasn't mattered. They've ended up, you know, winning a vast majority of their games. The only ones they lost was week one against the Detroit Lions when they were out, when they were missing a few few key players. Whoa, mixing up my words there. But the Chiefs defense, getting back to their point, they're second in points per game. Currently, they're sixth in yards per game, fourth in touchdowns against, and seventh in yards per play. Those are all really, really yards per play is a little bit of a weird metric, but it's just one of those advanced stats that kind of tells you, you know. How much a team is expected to score against you play over play. Seventh in yards per play is really, really good. Um, Anyways, you could still argue that they've had a little bit of an easier schedule to start off this year. Obviously, they've played teams like the Broncos in past weeks. They haven't had the toughest offensive firepower come into their building and play yet obviously their toughest game in their schedule so far was the lions which they did end up losing so there's definitely an argument to be made there that maybe you know the league has been really soft on them so far and they haven't needed to put up a lot of numbers to beat a lot of these guys which you know plays into their advantage if you look at a lot of their games normally we're used to always seeing chiefs games go over their their total but a lot of them really have been going under this year it's a trend we've continued to see all year long Other than the Bears-Chiefs game, of course, that was so annoying because it ended up hitting the over the one time I... I bet on the under for a chiefs game but i mean if you just look at their total scores they lost 21 to 20 against the lions they only beat the jaguars by 8 17 to 9 and then they blew out the bears uh week three i'll give them that 41 to 10 but other than that 23 to 20 27 to 20 against the vikings and then just last week against the broncos 19 to 8 of course the broncos did have 70 put up on their head earlier this year they are statistically one of the worst if not the entire Of the worst in the NFL right now in terms of defense. But my point is if the Chargers can go into Kansas City and get a win in this one, it would be extremely detrimental to just the trajectory of the season. Obviously, you always expect the Chiefs to win their division. Uh, The Chargers are known for blowing these kinds of situations they're known for being in these kinds of games and never getting it done don't forget a couple of years ago they did go into kansas city early on into the year and beat them these divisional type games you never quite know justin herbert it's He is dealing with that fractured finger, but it's on his non-throwing hand. It really didn't seem to be a factor last week against the Cowboys. Uh, Really the the biggest difference in that game was the Cowboys pass rush. Herbert was under constant pressure in that game. His offensive line did not have a good game at all. Um, And I will say the Chiefs, obviously I mentioned that they have a little bit of an easier schedule so far. Sorry, I'm messing around with the pen, I just dropped it. But they still have Cincinnati, Buffalo, Miami, and Philadelphia left on their schedule. The weird part is, and bear with me here because i'm going to sound like a little bit of a conspiracy theorist but why the hell are all those games every single one of those games i just listed cincinnati buffalo miami and philadelphia they play every single one of those teams at home that's a little sus if you're one of those guys that think there is an nfl script and they want the chiefs to go to the super bowl this is one of those points that they can look to and say like wait a second Why is that? Why is it that they play every single one of these teams at home? They're not going on the road for any one of these games. Their their road games are like the Patriots uh, the, the Packers on the road, you know, teams that are not looking very good, uh, to even looking awful. The Patriots look like they're one of the worst teams in the entirety of the league right now. My point is if the Chargers can go into Kansas city and somehow pull off a W it would be an absolutely huge statement, not just to the rest of the NFL, but to themselves and to this locker room to instill confidence in this locker room, you know, believe that they still have a shot of winning this division because they've had some gut-wrenching losses to start off the year obviously losing to tennessee that's not looking good and on paper lost last week against dallas when they had a shot to win it in the end and just a few big plays made the difference in that game if they can go into kansas city and put their foot down and show the nfl that they are here and they are here to contend it would do a lot not just for you know the nfl scene but for their locker room as well up next, and I think this could be the second biggest statement of the week. I want to put it at number one, but frankly, I wouldn't be too surprised if they end up winning anyways. I think the bigger statement would be like if they absolutely kick ass. But I have the Lions going into Baltimore. If they can win that game, um, I won't be surprised because technically I already put my bets on the Lions. I think I put thirty five bucks on them already. Um, they're plus one twenty five right now. If you're wondering, or at least at the time of recording, Thursday five twenty. PM. So the Jacksonville Jaguars game just started. I'm going to catch that after I finish recording this, but either way, um, plus 125 currently three-point underdogs. And just to list some stats, Baltimore is playing fantastic, especially on the defensive side of the ball. Really like what their offense has been able to do at times. Obviously their run game is still a huge component of their offense with Lamar Jackson being one of, if not the best dual threat quarterback in the entirety of the NFL. So starting right there, I mean, their offensive run game is still fifth and rushing yards per game that's a really really big part of their offense and their passing game is lackluster at times uh, especially you know as of late their receivers really have been letting them down lamar jackson If you've been listening to my podcast, you know I think Lamar Jackson is playing at an MVP-type level. His numbers don't quite back it up, though, because his receivers are letting him down. That Steelers game is just a perfect example of Lamar did everything he could to put his team in a position to win that game, and frankly, he was let down by his receivers. There's nothing you can do about that. But going back to the Baltimore run game and how they've been so good to start off the year and how they have been so good, you know, just in years past, this is nothing new from Baltimore. But the Lions quietly actually have the best run defense in the league. They're first in rushing yards per game. And then even beyond that, because you can say like, oh, game script can kind of play into that. So you can't always look at just the yards per game because, you know, the Lions have been beating the shit out of teams. So not a lot of teams are going to run the ball against them. That's, you know, you can make that argument. That's fair. But even in yards per attempt, they're second in the entirety of the NFL in yards per attempt. So that's a really big number to me. And then, of course going looking at Baltimore's defensive stats. I mean, they're 4th in yards per game. They're 2nd in passing yards against per game. They're 2nd in red zone percentage. 10th in rushing yards against. But again, their offense hasn't fully put it together yet. I think the Lions are really really bought into this year. I love um, everything they've been able to do as far as they can beat you in a multitude of ways. Do they need to get after the quarterback? And if they're pass if they're playing a super pass heavy offense, you know, they can get home with Aiden Hutchinson and Ali McNeil and some of those other guys along the defensive line, especially Hutchinson. Hutchinson's really emerging as, you know, a top-tier pass rusher in the NFL. But then they can they can run the ball on you. They Jared Goff had over 350 yards against a really good Tampa Bay defense last week in their building. So now going on the road, going to Baltimore. I really think they're going to be able to get it done. And after this week, again, especially if they can put up, you know, 30 plus points, win by a touchdown or two, it's really going to put the whole league on notice. Not just that, you know, the lions are a really really good team but they're not true contenders if they truly beat the brakes off of baltimore because we know baltimore is a perennial playoff team they typically make the playoffs each and every year obviously a former mvp at quarterback it would be a huge statement to the rest of the league if the lions can put a dub together even if they just win in general it's a really good game for the lions but if they can seriously like whoop some ass and you know bite some kneecaps as they say It's gonna be a really big statement game for the Lions, but at number one, I think it's no surprise, Sunday Night Football in Philadelphia, the Miami Dolphins have a huge statement game coming up. Miami is still getting a ton of love from the media despite their loss to the Bills 48 to 20 a couple weeks ago. Now they've found themselves going into Philly, facing the Eagles that just got punched in the mouth by an angry Jets team, Um, and they're looking to bounce back. I mean, that was definitely, sorry if you can hear that motorcycle. I'm going to wait a second. There we go. I mean, that was definitely not (laughs) what I don't think any NFL fan was expecting this one. Obviously, Jets fans are going to say, like, oh, we always had a chance. But with both their starting quarterbacks out and just the Eagles, you know, being the Eagles, I really didn't think they were going to have a chance in this one. I thought it was going to be a little bit closer than a touchdown, perhaps. You know, maybe that spread was a little too far. But especially with Sauce Gardner and DJ Reed going down in this one, I frankly, I did not think that this game was going to be close. The Jets ended up, you know making too many mistakes gotten their own way in a few t- a few times ended up being the difference in this one um and you know the jets got it done but my point is Philly hasn't quite looked like themselves all year long despite you know the immense talent on the roster despite how good they are and how good they can be because we we know how talented this team is especially you know on in the trenches their offensive line one of the best in the entire nfl sounds like lay johnson might be good to go in this one i'm not entirely sure at the time of recording um we'll know once we get closer to kickoff but their defensive line we know how good they have been as well but the biggest weakness of this team by a mile has to be their secondary philly is currently 20th in passing yards per game so as long as Tua can stay protected and jalen carter and some of those other guys up front don't absolutely wreck the game plan that miami has for him i think they could find a lot of success through the air i think jalen waddle and tyree Hill are going to have very very good games obviously tyree Hill already over 800 yards in six weeks absolutely stupid pace he's on pace for like 2300 plus yards it's insane the numbers that this dude has been putting up but uh, and it's just even when you just look at the stats as a team they're still miles ahead of everybody offensively in the stat sheet i mean their first in total yards per game by nearly 100 yards that's just insane how many more yards they're putting up than anyone and i know their stats are super padded um from that broncos game but it's still unreal what they've been able to do. They're leading the league in points per game by over a touchdown as well. It's just dummy numbers, and it honestly just looks like a typo when you look at it. But, and again, it's only six weeks in, and the Broncos are inflating it. I get it, but still, you got to give them credit where it's, credit is due. And as a matchup, there's definitely on paper a way that Miami can definitely exploit this thing. You know pass the ball a lot philly doesn't still doesn't have a lot of their starting secondary pieces back james bradbury is the only guy from that super bowl squad that's been starting for them um reed blankenship has quietly been having a really good year for them at safety but other than that a lot of their guys are not ready to go and back there right now so if miami can keep to a upright and they can get this passing game going not only is i think it's going to be a really high scoring entertaining game but i think there's a way where miami you know makes this a statement game, puts their mark on it, and ends up coming out of Philadelphia with a W. But that's going to do it for this segment. And let's get into my top five rookies. All right. Top five rookies. Before I get into anything, and of course, I'm going to go five to one. No surprise at all. Let's talk about some honorable mentions really quick. First, I want to give a shout out to Christian Gonzalez. He was fantastic before his you know, season-ending injury. Nice. Sorry if you can hear that, which I know you can, but that's right outside my window. God, I hate those fucking things. Ugh. If you if you have one of those, I'm sorry. I just, they're so obnoxious to me. Um, Anyways, <laughs> Christian Gonzalez was having a fantastic start to his young career before he went out for the season with an injury. He is gonna be fantastic for a very, very long time. Obviously, basically a picture-perfect fit in that system over there in New England, but he's out now. He disqualifies from my list. Sorry, Christian Gonzalez. Brian Branch barely misses the cut as well. You guys know how much I loved him coming out of Alabama. If you've been listening to this podcast, if you listen to my draft rankings, you know that I was super, super high on him. Uh, he can do a little bit of everything, has been doing that so far for the Lions and he's been all over the place. I mean, he's been physical as a tackler, which showed up on the film in college. He has a lot of PBUs. and. He makes up for his lack of athleticism, which is pure instincts and ball knowledge. It's very clear he knows what he's doing out there. Brian Branch deserves an honorable mention. Devon Achan is another guy A-chan is another guy who deserves an honorable mention on this list. Um, realistically, I think there's definitely an argument you can make that he should be at number five, but frankly, there's just been so many really, really good rookies. And it's just, don't get me wrong. I don't want to take anything away from him because system does play a lot into ricky's success but this is like the picture perfect system for this guy he's electric don't get me wrong i love what he's been able to do he's been super super entertaining i love watching a great speedster but this scheme is absolutely perfect for his skill set and it's definitely inflating his numbers he's not going to be able to produce you know the amount of yards per carry that he's been able to produce over this first four games of the year obviously now dealing with an injury going to be out for a little bit of time that's not going to be replicable replicable he's not going to be able to do that you know over the course of a season or two or you know his career i will say but he still has been fantastic and he definitely needs a shout out in this one i don't think it's a knock on him by any means i think it's just more so telling the rookies have just been so damn good this year and then B. John robinson again kind of the same deal with devon where it's like but it's it's a little different because you could argue if Bijan was getting even more touches that his numbers would be even better he's something like fourth in the league in yards right now fifth in the league in yards um overall just as a whole that not just rookies but in total um and you could argue that if tyler algier isn't sneaking so many touches from him then it could be even higher but I think the reason why i don't have him making this list even though he is seriously like you can make an argument he's already the most talented running back in the league he's not but you can definitely make that argument the thing is we've seen rookies have this kind of impact and do what he's done before ie you know ezekiel elliott uh who else saquon barkley kareem hunt even in his rookie year was absolutely fantastic so again I don't want to take anything away from Bijan, he's incredible, incredible talent, incredible player, going to be really good in this league for a long time. Good system fit down there in Atlanta, but again, it's not really a knock on him, it's just more so all these other rookies have just been so damn good that he just doesn't make the list for me. Also, I just want to give a shout out to basically all the Steelers rookies, but more particularly Keanu Benton and Joey Porter Jr. really wanted both of those dudes to be Chicago Bears. They ended up going to the same squad in the Pittsburgh Steelers, who They tend to do this. They tend to take players that I really want the Bears to take. It happened with George Pickens a couple years ago. Um, It even happened to Darnell Washington as well. Another rookie from this past year really wanted him to be a Chicago Bear. Instead, we went the Mercedes Lewis route. So fuck me, I guess. But either way, the Steelers rookies playing out of their mind. Got to give them a shout out as well but let's get into number five number five and again this is definitely the spot where you could all those guys i just mentioned you can basically put them in here at number five and take this guy off if you prefer that but i'm not going to do that number five i have sam laporta not only is this dude on pace for 900 yards which you know would put him third all time behind dick and Kyle Pitts, but he can block too and he's been a serious factor in the run game for this team he has been nothing short of fantastic there's been so so many times where he's just so on pace obviously this offense is clicking on all cylinders but he is he knows his role he's completing his role and um what's the word i'm looking for and uh i guess yeah i guess completing is fine he's completing his role and working his role absolutely perfectly he is looking so good seriously like one of the best tight ends in the league already coming out of iowa university tight end university gotta give a shout out to sam laporta because he is balling right now doing everything for this lions team and i definitely slept on him in the draft process it Was a guy that i really didn't pay attention too much but to be fair to myself i really didn't pay attention to too many tight ends anyways so sorry i guess um really didn't talk about him too much throughout the draft process but definitely should have been on my radar a lot more i'm gonna take a sip of water Oh yeah, hydrate, folks. Up next, number four, we got Devon Witherspoon. Obviously, this is a theme in this sex seg segment. Excuse me, whoa! But he's an absolute perfect fit for the Seattle Seahawks. Has that total Legion of Boom mentality about him, where one of those things, he's kind of like that Earl Thomas mentality, where it doesn't matter what the size of the dog is in the fight it's the size of the fight in that dog devon witherspoon is the perfect grade a example of that not very big as a person but twitched up in terms of athleticism and he flies around like a madman obviously showed out a couple weeks ago in primetime against the giants had a pick six and two sacks in that game so i think a lot of people really want to say like holy shit, is this guy like already one of the best corners in the league Maybe slow down a little bit there, but I mean, he's playing like it right now, you know? He's got seven pass deflections. He had a couple more against Jamar Chase in that game last Sunday, 20 tackles on the year as well, doing his thing in run support. Again, not being the biggest guy, but just willing to put his body out on the line for the squad. Absolutely love seeing that on film. And this dude just plays like an absolute maniac. Fits what Seattle's trying to do so well. I love Devon Witherspoon. He was probably my favorite player coming out, literally of any position regardless of position he's probably my favorite player coming out of the draft last year and the fact that he went to number five to seattle is just so damn cool to me he's going to be really really good for a long time to come here he's got it all if you're a cornerback he can again he can play a slot he can defend the run uh, he can defend your number one receiver and keep up for them step for step super physical at the line uh, there's just nothing this guy can't do. Super twitched up athlete. Love, love, love Devon Witherspoon. He comes in at number four. Number three. This is a dude that you're going to be hearing his name more and more as the season goes on because he's still been on a snap count, which is just crazy because his numbers are still dumb considering he's only been on, he has like half the snaps of guys in, like, playing the same position as him. Jalen Carter. Jalen Carter of the Georgia Bulldogs now on the Philadelphia Eagles he is fantastic it's just so astonishing to me that the league allowed this dude to go to philly it's like i know it's not like fantasy where you can't just veto it and you're like no fuck no like we just we can't have it but like how did how did we let this happen guys jalen carter is so good he is so good if it wasn't for the two guys ahead of him having absolutely historical seasons he would by far be the best rookie in this class and it's incredible what he's been able to do in the truly limited snaps that he's been getting. Um, but when he's been on the field, he's just looked so unstoppable. You guys know me. I'm a big PFF user. I like PFF a lot. A lot. I like a lot of their advanced metrics and I like the stats that they bring to the table because a lot of the times you can't find the type of numbers that ESPN or, you know, what, whatever else you get your stats from, like pass rush rate, win rate, that kind of stuff. Whoa. I just sounded really dumb for a second there. Um, A lot of those stats you can't find on a lot of these websites. PFF has these advanced metrics. They really are telling of just how dominant you are on a snap-to-snap basis. Jalen Carter is literally the most dominant defensive tackle on a snap-to-snap basis in the league. That is crazy, guys. We have guys in the defensive interior like an Aaron Donald, like Chris Jones, like Quinnen Williams, like Dexter Dexter Lawrence. None of those guys are graded as high as Jalen Carter. It is insane insane he does need to prove improve against the run a little bit um but as a pass rusher it is just dumb what he's able to do at his size four sacks on the year you could argue that if he's playing full-time snaps he could have a lot more than that that's definitely an insane argument to have jalen carter has been nothing short of fantastic obviously this is a trend you're going to see time and time again but landed in the perfect system in philly a lot of veterans around him to coach him up and just teach him how to be a pros pro he's going to be really good for a really long time cannot believe he is on the philadelphia eagles god damn number two i think this is no surprise puka nakua um obviously he's slowing down a little bit now with cooper cut back and he'll continue to slow down a little bit with him back but Just the mere fact of what he was able to do while Cup was gone is nothing short of amazing. You have to give him his flowers for doing that. Again, he's lucky to be in a scheme that gives him Stafford and gives him the sort of freedom in his routes that he wants to do. But at the same time, it's kind of a double-edged sword because this scheme has a lot of option routes where you need to be on the same page as your quarterback, he proved that he was. Him and Stafford, they looked like a veteran duo out there. They looked like guys that have been playing together for not just a few weeks, not just a couple months before the season started, but legitimate years. They looked like they had years of built up chemistry. So incredible what he was able to do when being asked to be in the wide receiver one role in the offense obviously cooper cup coming back and he's going to take a back seat to cooper cup but cooper cup is one of the best players in the entirety of the nfl the fact that a rookie fifth rounder came in and produced at a similar level to that guy when being placed in that role it's amazing and frankly it's kind of criminal that he's not number one but Number one is literally breaking all kinds of records as well, and he is nothing short of fantastic himself. It's CJ Stroud, but I'm sure you already know that. I'll get to that in a second. Let me list off some of Puka's stats before we get into CJ Stroud's stats. I mean, he is still first in the league in receptions. He is still second in targets in the entire league, and he's still fourth in receiving yards. Obviously, that's not going to hold up by the end of the season, but through six weeks, the fact that a fifth-round rookie is putting up those kinds of numbers is absolutely absurd. And again, he is being given insane levels of freedom that you just never see from a rookie player in general especially at receiver there's it's so rare that you see receivers come in and have this type of impact obviously we've been a little spoiled in recent years with guys like justin jefferson and jamar chase but we expected that i mean maybe not uh, justin jefferson's production maybe you couldn't have accounted it to be that impressive but these were still first round picks. These were still highly touted prospects that came off a national championship team. In the case of Jamar Chase, he was a first receiver taken off the board. Obviously Jefferson wasn't, but we expected these guys to produce immediately somewhat. Obviously they blew those expectations out of the water, but Puka had no expectations. Puka was a fifth round rookie that frankly nobody fucking talked about. I don't care who you are. I know you didn't talk about them. Literally, I barely talked about him. The only time I talked about him, and I'm more than willing to admit this I didn't talk to him, about him at all through my entire draft process it wasn't until i was doing my my whole entire um what's the word i'm looking for my previews my my season-long previews my divisional previews when the nfc west episode came around that was the first time where i was like keep your eye on puka nakua but that was it it's not like i was i said like oh my god puka has a chance of uh, absolutely shattering rookie records and all this shit." that's not what i said at all sorry if you can hear that noise literally all i said was puka might be forced into the wide receiver one role in this offense keep your eye out on him because he's gonna have an immediate impact he's gonna be getting snaps earlier it was something like that that's all i said either way god damn there's a lot of noises going on i'm gonna pause this really quick then let's talk cj stroud all right sorry about that let's get into cj stroud though cj stroud i mean i'm sure you guys have already heard it all so i'm gonna keep it fairly brief here but most attempts in the entirety of the nfl Um, from a rookie without an interception NFL record there 191 broke Dak Prescott's record if I'm not mistaken he's also fourth in the league in passing yards he's on pace for 4,700 passing yards this year that is absurd he is on pace to shatter Justin Herbert's passing record Um, Bobby Slowick he deserves a lot of credit for CJ Stroud's excuse me success so far in the NFL but I mean it's got to go both ways cj stroud has been executing at a very very high level he has looked extremely calm and disciplined back there in the pocket frankly he's playing like a veteran back there again bobby slowick deserves some credit himself he was a past games coordinator over at san francisco he's a passing guy first really really like that hire he came over with Demico ryan's he was actually hired in san francisco the year D'Amico got hired as well so they've you know literally followed the exact same path in terms of coaching he's now the oc in houston and he is doing a fantastic job coaching up cj stroud very very well giving him the opportunity to do what he does best and frankly cj stroud has taken full advantage of that opportunity he is making crazy plays in terms of anticipation he looks extremely calm back there in that pocket and he is just playing so mistake free so cool so calm so collected and i am really really excited to see cj stroud going forward um i'm really pulling for him because it's a really cool story and it's just really cool to see houston have a guy at quarterback post Deshaun watson but that's going to do it for my top five rookies with all that being said god damn bro I swear that's the same dude. I've seen him like make like 3 loops around my block. I'm so sorry guys. Fucking annoying. But let's get into some trade candidates, shall we? All right. My top trade candidates and this is in no order whatsoever it really doesn't matter it's not like this guy is the most likely to be traded or this guy's not but i've got a few names here um i'm not going to spend too much detail or too much time on each one but i'll give a general explanation of why they could be moved and why it makes sense and maybe even where they could go in some cases first let's start off with jalen johnson of the chicago bears this one just first off it makes way too much sense we've already heard like a ton of reports about it so this isn't rocket science a lot of these are not going to be like crazy hot takes like holy shit like fucking patrick mahomes is gonna get traded like it's like it's not it's nothing like that like i'm not trying to make like some bold takes it's more like we've heard these rumors we've heard these things circulating how could it happen and where could they go to jalen johnson's the first of that group where it's like we've heard his name come around a lot and honestly it just makes way too much sense. It would make no sense to have him on the roster by the end of the year. First off, he's gonna be a free agent after this year. That's typically the window where you wanna trade your players. We've seen this in the past. We just saw this a year ago with the bears. Robert Quinn was about to be a free agent. He got traded to Philadelphia. Roquan Smith about to be a free agent. Ends up getting traded to the Ravens. They give him the big bag. So we've seen this before. This is not this is not rocket science. This is not a surprise, not a hot take. Jalen Johnson in the last year of his contract But another reason why he might be on the move is the Bears have been quietly picking up a lot of, not even that quietly, they've been adding a lot of cornerback depth to their team, not just in last year's draft, but in the year before that as well. They added Kyler Gordon, Jaquan Brisker with their first two picks, obviously Jaquan, a safety, but still a cornerback in that draft. This past year, they added a second round pick in Tariq Stevenson, another cornerback. And then they also added Terrell Smith, who... For my money it was a really big steal coming out of minnesota really really good physical freak um and i think those three guys are going to be their guys going forward jalen johnson could 100 be dealt there's a lot of teams that are looking for cornerbacks right now and could be eager to do so especially if they feel like they're in a championship window so a few teams that i really think could make a move for jalen johnson these are two teams that really stick out to me first off i think we could be in business with the eagles again obviously we've done A lot of business with them, traded uh, in the draft with them, traded Robert Robert Quinn with them. Um, Eagles, a team that are not afraid to make moves at all, and they need cornerbacks right now. Darius Slay has been out. They've had a lot of, you know, uh, problems with depth in their cornerback room, they could definitely be looking to add Jalen Johnson. And for the same reasons, the Buffalo Bills. Obviously, Tredavious White went down earlier this year. This is a team that beyond Tredavious doesn't have a whole lot there. Um, I know that there's some guys in terms of like Dane Jackson, Kyir Elam, Taron Johnson's probably their best um, besides Tredavious White. But Jalen Johnson could definitely add a much needed body in that locker room and would make a lot of sense if he was added as well and again just makes a lot of sense from the bear's point of view up next let's go to jerry judy and corlin sutton for some reason i've heard jerry judy's names name more and again i think it just comes down to him being in his last year of his rookie contract that makes a lot of sense to me as well um but corlin sutton is a guy that i definitely think could be on the move as well because why not the broncos are just not a good team right now they could most definitely be sellers at the deadline they are looking to you know sean payton's there he's got paid they're not going to fire him but basically everyone else is expendable i mean maybe not patrick sertan maybe not justin simmons just because those dudes are getting paid a lot of money and they seem to be cornerstones um but even the case of justin justin simmons it's like this dude's been in the league for a really, really long time. Someone could be looking for a veteran safety. Um, you're going to have to give up a hell of a lot for him because he's a fantastic player and the Denver Broncos know that. But I just think in general, the Denver Broncos, it's very clear this isn't going to be their year. It's very clear that they are not going to contend. Sean Payton is going to be there. It's his decisions to make. He's going to be the one that's you know driving this whole thing. and the Denver Broncos, there's no reason why they shouldn't be sellers at this point, because it's not working as it is right now. They've already proven that they want to get rid of some of their guys, obviously cut Randy Gregory, trying to get rid of Frank Clark as we speak. And Jerry Judy and Corlin Sutton could be two more pieces in that puzzle. Obviously, they've added some weapons in Marvin Mims and some other guys like um, Brandon Johnson, I believe his name is. So they have some other pieces there that I don't know if it gets you excited necessarily. But again, something needs to change. You need to go get more picks. Go get more lottery tickets. Go find a way to make this thing work and turn this turn, turn this ship around. Excuse me. So Jerry, Judy, Corlin, Sutton, two guys that could definitely be on the move. I've heard their names be connected to a whole bunch of different teams. I've heard their names be connected to the Panthers. But for me... That just doesn't make a whole lot of sense. I think the Panthers are just wanting to stay young and they don't want to pay one of these guys yet, especially for someone like, say, it is Jerry Judy who is in the last year of his deal. Whoever is going to go trade for him will give him a new contract on top of it because that's just good business. You really shouldn't trade for a guy just to let him walk that next offseason unless you are very, like, you're not giving up a lot and you're just very much in a championship window like right now let's win right now so in that case you know maybe like a team like the chiefs but they're not going to trade within division that doesn't make a whole lot of sense so frankly there's not too many teams that really stick out to me that could go out there and make this move i guess if i had to like put a couple out there I mean, you got to think of like the contending teams, right? Because maybe they just want one more push. Could a team like Baltimore go out and get someone like a Jerry Judy or a Coin Sutton because their receivers have been letting them down a little. I don't really see it just because they've invested what they've invested in in that wide receiver room between getting Zay flowers, getting Odell Beckham Jr. is kind of the emphasis this off season. Of course, that doesn't mean they don't double down and just do it anyways. But frankly, I just don't know how, highly touted jerry judy is and i think it's one of those things where i think the broncos probably value him a little too much and i don't think other teams are going to see eye to eye with what they're asking for him so unless you know they find a way to lowball them and they give up like a fourth round pick i don't really see a way where jerry judy's going to end up being moved frankly because i just don't think it works for either side i don't think jerry judy's been good enough for the broncos to really command decent value And I don't really think there's a whole lot of teams that would absolutely value Jerry Judy's services right now. Frankly, I think Corlin Sutton's may be more valuable than Jerry Judy also because he's already locked up and has signed that contract. So you know for a fact, you don't have to trade for this guy and then also pay him. So a lot of things going wrong there for Jerry Judy, even though his name has been brought up so consistently in trade talks, I wouldn't be surprised if he ends up being a Denver Bronco post halloween and halloween is the trade deadline by the way or it's that weekend i don't know if it's halloween day exactly but it's around there i think it is halloween exactly i think it's that tuesday up next let's talk about daniel hunter this is probably the most realistic one in my opinion because the vikings i mean there's no reason why they shouldn't be sellers this is a wash of a season now with justin jefferson out they're just they're frankly they're not making the playoffs it's not going to happen um Daniil hunter again Trend continuing in the final year of his contract, sounds like he's a little bit unhappy with how he's being paid and looking for a pay upgrade. Again, there's a lot of teams that, there's, let let me put it this way. There's a lot of teams that use pass rushers in the NFL. There's a reason why pass rushers are so highly taught in the NFL. They're sought, did I say taught? They're so highly sought out in the NFL um and daniel hunter i mean there's a multitude of teams that could go get a guy like him i mean frankly can you imagine him on the san francisco 49ers like that would be so freaky and him opposite nick bosa something like that i mean there's on the baltimore ravens would make a lot of sense they've been missing a little bit of a true edge rusher his name was connected to the baltimore ravens uh not last year but the year before that as well um so i mean i think there's a bunch of teams that could use his services i don't really have like a particular team where it's like this would just make way too much sense off the top of my head. It's more so it just makes way too much sense off the top of my head for Minnesota to trade him. It doesn't make any sense for them to keep him. The season's awash. They might as well try and see what they can get from him because he's going to walk in free agency anyways. So it would just make way too much sense to trade him while he still has value. And it would make no sense at all to have him be on the team by the end of the year up next let's talk about adori jackson again following the same pattern um drafted his possible replacement this year and he's in the last year of his contract obviously they brought in tionte banks who has been quietly really really good for the giants just no one realizes because the giants have been playing so damn bad but adori jackson you know a guy that has been a little bit of a journeyman has been to a few different teams but still has some you know has something left in the tank still has something to prove and i could still see an argument where you know coaching staffs would value that player that position um philly is obviously someone i talked about being in contention for jalen johnson because they need cornerbacks um they're not going to get Dory jackson because the giants will not make a trade within the conference within the division that's just not going to happen but i also mentioned the bills and Dory jackson to the bills would make a ton of sense to me obviously javius white going down um they'd have to pay him more than likely because again, he is going into last year of his contract, but I don't think you're going to have to break the bank, break the bank, excuse me, for a guy like Adoree Jackson. And frankly, you could maybe get that conversation going where, oh, you could possibly come in here and win a ring. Just take a little bit less money. And I think he could definitely buy into something like that. Adoree Jackson, definitely a guy, again, there's a trend here, right? Players that tend to get traded are guys that are on losing teams guys in the last year of their contract and guys that i mean that's basically it that's that that's that's basically it guys on losing teams and guys in the last year of their contract that tends to be the most common denominator of these guys being able to trade but there is one more factor that comes in and for me it's age and getting rid of money i guess those are kind of of two different factors but a lot of times they have to do one in the same, a lot of times they're hand in hand. So, I'm going to group these next two guys together because it would be so interesting to me. I don't think either one of these guys will get traded just based off the contracts they just got and the way they're getting paid. But Darren Waller and DeAndre Hopkins are two names that could be really, really interesting in trade topics. First off, let me get into why I don't think it would happen because I don't think the Titans think that they're bad enough that they need to sell everything. Um just with Mike Vrabel there, just with that culture, I think they're always going to be fighting to make the playoffs even if they're multiple games behind, even if it's pretty clear and obvious that there is a gap between them and the top of the AFC because let's be honest, they 100% is um I don't think they'd be able to admit that to themselves and again, the way that they're the way that they've done business and the fact that they dealt AJ Brown and then they had to, they basically forced their hand and they had to go get a guy like Traylon Burks. He hasn't looked all that good this so thus far. Again, a lot of factors that are not Traylon's fault, but nevertheless, hasn't been putting up the numbers, hasn't been putting up the production they've been looking for. So it forces their hand, they go get DeAndre Hopkins. Again, I think just stubbornness comes into this one. I think because of that, they don't want to trade someone like this. And it's kind of the same way for Darren Waller, where it's like, The Giants felt like they were going to make a next step this year. It obviously didn't end up being the case. And now they have the second highest paid tight end in the entirety of the NFL on their team. So it's one of those things where it's like, okay, we're not going to win this guy, but they don't have a whole lot of leverage in this situation. And I think that it could be something similar to what we just saw happen with them, where they got Darren Waller at a very cheap price because... He is an older tight end, has had a lot of injuries, and he's getting paid a lot of money. So could the Giants do something similar and just say, oh, fuck it, let's get what we can get. I know this guy's older, but maybe a team like Kansas City that's lacking those perimeter weapons could, you know, give us a call. And if they give us a fourth round pick because we only gave up a third to go get this guy, so be it, you know? i think something like that could happen again i'm not leaning towards it i'm not betting on it by any means but it's definitely those are two names that I kind of grouped together because they're kind of in a similar position and i think it's really interesting to think about the, there's two more names i want to talk about before i get i get out of here i guess three two and a half because one of them i don't think is going to be traded let's talk about two panthers terrence marshall has been given permission to seek a trade that's just who fucking cares terrence marshall no offense, Terrace, and no offense to Panthers fans. Reese, if you're listening to this, I'm sorry. Dude hasn't done shit. He's like, even if he gets traded, it's going to be like a swap of late round picks. I know he's also going into the last year of his rookie contract, but no one's eager to go get Terrence Marshall and pay this guy immediately. And it's not all Terrence's fault. I mean, he's in a really bad situation there in Carolina. There's been a lot of turmoil within that organization, within that quarterback room. So again, it's not, it's not all his fault by any means, but It's pretty clear and obvious that he wasn't going to be part of their future even before the season started. There's a reason why they spent their second round pick on Jonathan Mingo. And then another name that's been coming up a lot, and again, I don't think he's going to be traded, is Brian Burns. Brian Burns, first off, who's going to go get Brian Burns? Who has the capital to go get Brian Burns? That's what I'm wondering because I'm just not seeing a whole lot of fits in that regard. Um it'd be really interesting to see, you know, a contender go get Brian Burns of a guy like, think if Miami went and got Brian Burns, right? That'd be really, really interesting. That'd be really cool. Um, it'd be super entertaining, but he's just too valuable to this franchise. And I just think they're gonna ask for too much. I don't think anyone's gonna wanna give up two, two first-rounders, maybe even more, to go get someone like Brian Burns. Um, And I just think that the Panthers just value him too much, and it's too much of a valuable position, and he's still too young, and they're still barely paying him. I I think his contract does kick in this next year, so that's when he's going to start getting paid um, real money. But either way, I just don't really think it's going to happen. But I felt like I had to mention it because a lot of people have been saying his name in trade discussions. The last player I have to say, Marquise Brown. Again, last year his contract, really bad team. What if he ends up going to a contender? He still has a lot of juice left in the tank. He's still a very young player. Obviously, he's limited in what he can do in terms of role. Um, but I mean, he's still wicked fast. He's not that far removed from a really, really good year with Kyler Murray. Um, Kyler Murray is coming off the pup list, but I don't really know if Marquise Brown is part of their long-term future. Maybe he is. Maybe they end up, you know, wrapping this thing up and getting a contract for him. But I wouldn't be surprised if some team ended up coming in, giving them a second round pick for Marquise Brown. They say thank you for his services and he's on a different team before the end of the month. So that's going to do it, guys. I hope you did enjoy this episode. If you did, be sure to follow me here on Spotify, Apple Music, wherever you listen to this podcast. Be sure to go follow me over on Instagram, at Murphy's League. Share this with your friends and family. I appreciate each and every single one of y'all. Have a great rest of your night and peace out.